Hi guys, this is Clint Romero. This is Theo Jazz. And this is Clifford. And this is the official first episode of our podcast, The Fourth Member. Um, for those that don't know, our pilot actually came out a couple of weeks ago and is available now on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Google Chats, on Guys Help Me Out, where else will be available on right now? On Anchor, on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on... We're on every major podcast platform, so you can find us. There's no excuse, guys. There's no excuse. You can follow Fourth Member on Twitter, Fourth Member Pod, and on Instagram, Fourth Member. Well, no excuse, guys. Now you can definitely follow us. So um, obviously, we want to interact with you guys, and in the spirit of interaction and feedback, we listen to your feedback. Uh, Clifford, what all some of the guys get telling us? Main feedback was that people loved it. They loved the flow and the energy and the vibe that we had. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's just get into it. I've been watching WandaVision and it has taken over my life. And Clifford Clifford got on board to WandaVision yesterday. I'm up to and I'm about that WandaVision life. It... What, did you just catch up? Yeah. He watched the whole series yesterday. <laughs> and what did you think? It was amazing. And... I don't want to give any spoilers away. Are you up to date as well? No, actually, I didn't watch. I haven't watched the latest episode yet. Oh my god! Yes, no. You when you yeah, it. I know, I know, I know, I know, no. I'm slipping, I'm slipping. I've uh, been catching up on work, but yeah, I'm gonna get into it probably tonight. So, as you guys can kind of guess, but um, me and Romero in particular are Marvel fans. We love our superheroes. We love yeah, our and our Avengers. So that is something that has been taken over. The lockdown for me, One Division on Disney Plus, and next week's the finale, and I'm gutted to be honest because it's been one of the best series I've seen in a long time. I've enjoyed every episode. Yeah, to be honest with you, I feel like the last show I felt this way about was probably Game of Thrones or Westworld, and it gives me that same kind of feel as in every episode is like a movie. The only problem is it's like it's so short. I say it's a it's a problem because obviously you want more, but again, it keeps you really invested in the show. So I'm loving One Division. I need to catch up on that most recent episode. Though. Yes, um, Wonders of Bitch and Clifford. Actually, Clifford, tell us who you who you live for. Tell us. Agatha was that chick. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah. had that, what is it like? It's not. It's on um, Disney Plus, so it's not Disney Plus. Yeah. They've got that. Yeah, sort it has of feature. It's that share party feature now, so you can actually watch things in groups. Oh, you could do that on Disney Plus too. I know you yeah. could do that on Netflix. You do that on Disney Plus now. So it was good because Clifford was like, I'm, I'm going to start WandaVision. So I was like, you know what? I'll watch it again. Because as you said, the episodes are so short that I was like, let me watch it again with you. So, and I was like waiting because I knew what was coming up. So I was like waiting for his reaction. <laughs> I was that annoying person in the cinema who'd be like, oh shit, this happened. But I'm just texting it. I hope it weren't too annoying for you, Theo. <laughs> no, no, definitely not annoying. And I, I enjoy watching things with people um, who like the same things that I do or watching people watching things, experiencing things that I like. I like to see their reaction as well. But as, like this podcast, isn't it? Like we're discussing things, topics and discussions that we all love and enjoy and things that link us all together. So, Well, yeah, speaking of linking up and us being apart and being together and working on the podcast, we're actually doing this remotely. So we're all kind of based at home at the moment. We don't even live in London. So we're kind of trying to sync up with each other, but hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that will change very soon. Cause you know, your uncle Boris made his announcement this week. So I'm kind of excited about that. Clifford, what do you think when Boris um, told us that he's letting us outside very soon? Or, it was released across the board. Oh my days of these 
hot dates in terms of like when things are going to be rolled out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the top of his announcement. So he outlined um, this roadmap for outside of lockdown. Um, does anyone remember the key dates? I know that key date, 12th of April, the first one, the 12th of April. That is when that came to, to mind for me. It was the 12th of April for me, because I think that's when you can go to barbershops, you can go to mm-hmm. the gym again. You can go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Finally, we can go back to the gym. Listen, I'm crossing out, I'm counting down the days, I'm crossing, I'm putting an X on my calendar till I get to that day. Honestly, <laughs> from the 12th of April, I'm, I'm already, I've already got an itinerary mapped out. I'm going to go to gym Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm going to escape the farm and come to London on the Friday and get my hair done. I'm going to literally just live my, my, my best life. I'm going to eat out breakfast, lunch and dinner for at least a week. <laughs> I'm, just going to, I'm living. I'm going to live. There's actually this unofficial rumour saying that Rishi Sharnock might bring back another eat out to help out to coincide with the 12th of April. That would make absolutely no sense. The reason why this has lasted so long is because they haven't really handled it the right way. So if we had this kind of roadmap where it was like, you know, uh, non-essential business opens, then schools open, then, you know, in that structure beforehand, we wouldn't be in this situation almost a year later. So I don't want no eat out to help out. I think we just need to, and I think generally people are more committed to us getting back to normal. Like three to six months ago, if anyone had spoken about the vaccine, I think everybody would have said, no, I'm not down. But I think everyone now is seriously considering it just for the simple fact that they want some kind of normalcy back. I think as well, the important and responsible thing to do is if he's thinking of doing eat out to help out, do it once everyone's been vaccinated. Do it when it's safe, it will make it safe for everybody. Once everyone in the country has had their Pfizer vaccine or the Oxford, whatever, I can't remember what it's called, the Oxford mm-hmm. vaccine. Once everyone's vaccinated, then start thinking about eat out to help out to help the economy. But right now, people's health is the most important. That's paramount. Right. And it's like they don't learn because thinking about the economy and the finances, even though it's important, that's what cooked everyone over the first time right. and the second time. And we don't want it for a fourth time now, a fourth lockdown. Like, <laughs> but please, keep your thoughts. Well, that's what he point. said. Like, this is going to be the last lockdown, which is why he structured it this way. Because regardless of what happens, if things don't turn around, obviously this lockdown is not going to end and we're going to get into July and, you know, worst case scenario, we're still going to be having this conversation. So hopefully everyone just... Wears their masks, social distance, stays in their house and humbles themselves for the next like three to six months. Because the festivals and events, outdoor events are on this summer. I know like Reading and Leeds, they're sold out. I think Download Festival, one of the other festivals they've announced, they're sold out as well. Everyone is ready to like live their best lives. And hopefully, obviously by that time, it'll be eight, late August, early September time. I know that's when a lot of these events have announced. Well, day. this is it, because it's um, late July that I think things are supposed to be normal by. And obviously mm-hmm. Carnival is literally a month later. So we will see. Can you imagine? So in terms of those events, which ones do you think you'll be hitting? And what's, what's your sort of planned agenda? Because I know Carnival that- without shadow of a doubt, like Carnival, definitely that's the priority. This is um, going to be the best Carnival in years. Can you imagine? Can- that's crazy because Carnival 2019 was like a movie for everybody. It was like one of the best Carnivals I've been to. I'm a big fan of Carnival. Um, I've gone for the last probably eight or nine years consecutively. So it's so strange because Carnival 2019 was so epic and no one knew that that was going to be the last Carnival for at least another year, do you know what I mean? So um, if Carnival is still on, and it is a big if, 
that would be amazing because it's kind of like us coming full circle. We lost out on one and the following year we get one that's going to be just as big, if not better, because people are going to be so excited. But that scares me a little bit because that means that there's going to be literally thousands of people in one place. And it really depends on how many people get the vaccine to kind of balance it all out, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thankful a little bit. Well, I hope, I'm touching wood, I'm touching wood. I hope that the roadmap stick to the dates and that everyone's vaccinated because as you guys know, October is my 30th birthday. I can't have So were you telling me that um uh because you're it's your 30th birthday, we should be getting a vaccine. That, that's the problem. Yes. You you have to get vaccinated. Like you two don't have a choice because we I'm ready for us all to have a celebration. Wait, pause. So hold on, I know we're talking about it in jest, but who because it's not actually available for us yet, I don't think. Um but who would actually get the vaccine if it was offered to them, say? Wait up, I would get it. Whoa, okay. Slow down. Let me actually... <laughs> I haven't even had a chance to ask you. <laughs> wow, so is that how you really feel? That's how I really feel at this point. Because I want to travel again. If yeah. things are returning to normality and we're going to be easing out of lockdown from April the 12th, I want to be going into the gym. I don't want that taken away from me and then be saying we're going back into another lockdown. I want to be That's like, I've had my vaccine. I've done my part. I want to go to Europe. 2019 for me was one of the best years ever. Mm. We never had, we never knew what we had till it was gone. Yeah. yeah. So in mm. terms of the festivals that I went to, I think was it? I went. Did I go to Glastonbury? I think I went. Glastonbury did. 2019. Mm. Carnival 2019 was banging also. So yeah. imagine having this drought of sterility for like 2020, which was just dead. Yeah, because you thought that it was going to be even bigger. Right. Because it set the, the setup for 2020 was that okay, I've kind of gone through the worst of it. Um, and I say the worst of it because even though there was really great highs in, in 2019 for me, there was also a lot of lows towards the end. Mm -hmm. So coming into 2020, I was like, okay, I've kind of learned the lessons. Some of them I had to learn the hard way. So I'm kind of ready to put that into motion. Like I've, I've learned the lessons I need to. So I can kind of, I don't know, it sounds corny, but kind of elevate. Mm -hmm. But what I had to learn and a, a lot of us had to learn is that you kind of have to be comfortable in yourself because I was there trying to prove a point to everybody else that, okay, I've learned, I've kind of become a better person. So now I can kind of show people that I'm making better money. I've got a better job. But because we couldn't go nowhere in 2020, I couldn't show anyone any of that. <laughs> and it kind of humbled me and made me think, okay, I need to be actually happy for myself and only for myself and not worry about you know the validation of other people and those kind of things so it was it was a learning curve but yeah i'm, I'm done with learning i'm ready for things to go back to normal so yeah vaccine whenever you're ready yeah see i'm there's one thing i'm thankful about lockdown and i've been able to save my money i'm mm. oh my yes <laughs> talk I'm about it like, talk yeah, about it i want to buy my house this year so i've been able to save a lot a lot mm -hmm. because there have been no outgoings like there normally is when we're living our best lives so I am ready to turn up. I'm ready to go up to a club. I'm ready to just see my friends and embrace you guys and just have a great... But you see, you're saying all of that, yeah? But all of those things actually take money, the same money that you were just saving. So do you feel yeah. like you'd be ready to kind of go back to normal life, given the way that normal life is set up financially, emotionally, structurally, all of that kind of stuff? I've learned how to budget. And been okay. able to, but you've learned how to budget partially because you haven't had to spend in it, or you haven't had things to spend in excess for. But at the same time, when I get paid, what I do now, I put the money for my house, my, my kind of money, 
away yeah. straight away. So whatever's left, Theo, that's what you've got to spend for that. Deliver one. If that's cool. 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 200 pounds, whatever, how, whatever money it is, I'm going to live within my means currently so that I can secure my, my greatest asset. And hopefully that is this year, fingers crossed, before my 30th birthday. Um, so, but then to your point, obviously I know you need the vaccine to um, turn up and live our lives. And I'm ready for that vaccine. No, the, the reason why I actually mentioned it was more so because when you think about how hard it's been for people being indoors, um, and it has for various different reasons, but I don't think there's enough conversation about what it's going to be like to go back to normal. Well, I definitely want the vaccine, but I definitely want the Pfizer vaccine and not the Oxford one, because okay. obviously there's all these new variants. And I read a article on a legitimate website. So I'm not just, I'm going to read the first thing I see. I've seen it on many different news outlets that, that mm. the Oxford vaccine is only 10% effective against that South African variant. Uh, yeah. Whereas the Pfizer vaccine is more effective against that variant. So I'm like, okay, well, we don't get a choice on which vaccine we get, but I don't see the point of getting the Oxford one. If this South African variant then takes over the world, mm -hmm. then- Which is a real possibility. That's a, and that's a scary thing. You kind of have to manage your expectations now because you know it can, it, the worst case scenario can happen. Mm. Yeah. So I want to find the vaccine. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that's what I get. And if I'm offered the Oxford one, I'm probably not going to take it. Okay. So like, we're all saying that we're ready to go back to normal for, for various different reasons, but part of me is actually a little bit, what, no, was it worried? Worried is too strong of a word, but like. Apprehensive? Apprehensive as fuck to be like out there again. Like the idea of going to work every single day, like the physical activity, the, the, the being amongst that many people, that actually, it's so, it's so alien to me now. Do you know I don't what I mean? That's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be like a two day work week. In the oh no, I know that it's going to be phased. I think for me personally, I know that I have to go back to work in, I think May, uh, May, early June. And I've already been told it will literally be one, two days out of the week. And that's, that's fine. I'm ready to do that. But I think the idea of going out and being amongst people like, like we were a year ago, two years ago, is kind of strange to me now. And it's going to take a long time to readjust. Cause I'll be honest, like, the first couple of months of lockdown, I, I actually enjoyed it, guys. Like, it was just quiet, it was peaceful, the weather was nice. Up until, like, actually not even the first couple of months, most of lockdown, like, it was really a time to kind of censor yourself. So I'm not ready for the chaos of, of real life yet. So I'm kind of glad that we've got the kind of, that, that roadmap, because it's six steps, obviously, and it's not until June that things will actually be quote-unquote normal again. What do you think it's going to be like? You were saying you're apprehensive to go back outside with other people. What do you think clubbing is going to be like post this thing? Because I think no one's going to have swag. No one's going to know how to talk to people properly. The, the youths are going to be doing TikTok dances in a club. Like, they're going to be seeing like um, challenge songs in a club. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm hoping that things are going to be more hygienic after this lockdown. Yeah, good luck. You live in London, mate. Let, let's think about it. Before lockdown, when you went to a club, you ordered a drink, the bartender would make the drink, they would, you'd then hand them the cash, they would then put their cash in the till, they would then go and make the next drink. So they've gone from touching the cash to then touching those limes and squeezing it into your drink. So you're literally, we've been drinking for years, nasty, not just alcohol, alcohol contaminated with germs. That's true. That's true. I do, I, 
I'd like to think that, that it's going to change like the food standards and just health and safety standards in places. That would be one great benefit. Um, but I don't know. When we went out last March, I remember the bartenders, they were sanitizing their hands in between each stage. So yeah, that's they true. were sanitizing, making the drink, sanitizing, handing the cash, sanitizing, and then making like, it was like, I was like, oh my God, that's what you should have been doing to begin with. Mm. But I think there's gonna be more topics on this in the news and the media. When we obviously come out of um, lockdown properly, yeah. I think there might be even more legislations to introduce to protect businesses and protecting ourselves as well but yeah i definitely think it's important for everybody to be vaccinated and if you guys seen the queen has done, has done an announcement especially targeting black and asian minorities i hate the term bame but they always keep using the british people love using that term bame but she's yeah. doing this announcement to try and encourage bame communities to um to have the vaccine when it's their time and um obviously that's yes, obviously it's part of just trying to get everybody protected. But the Queen, I think she needs to handle her own house, to be honest, and worry about them worrying about us personally. Have you guys heard about the Harry and Meghan drama this week? Yes, they said, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Mm. They're not involved anymore. Well, they've already made their exit, but they're like, and we're staying stage left because they're <laughs> yours anytime soon. I love that though. They literally said like, I know that we told you that we might pop up every now and again, but actually we changed our mind. And you know that this was on their, they knew that they were going to come up to do their, their quote unquote duties at any point. It was probably in the original plan six months to a year ago. Yeah. I think as well, people, there's a certain type of person or people, let's say, who put so much emphasis and power still on this monarchy. Like, I think it's such a redundant, a redundant thing. I know it brings a lot of money to the economy again in Britain, people coming to visit Buckingham Palace just to take a little photo or two, but it's not what it used to be. When we think about kings and queens in the past, they were there fighting wars, they were there on the battlegrounds, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm just not educated on this topic. I'm not gonna claim to be educated on every single topic, but I can't really tell you what the Queen does. Um, I don't think a lot of us know what she does, but we wouldn't because of our age bracket and our connection to her, which is quite, you know, minimal, let's be honest. And I, I think... Feel, I'm sorry, I, was gonna say, I feel Harry and Meghan, they kind of probably think the same thing we do. Like, we can do so much more and contribute much more to the society and the world with our power and influence outside of being part of that family. That, royal that was family. actually the thing I was going to say. Like, it's interesting that they're not the traditional monarchs and traditionalists would probably look at them and think we, they're not the best representation, but they're actually the king and queen or, you know, the royals of the people. Like, they've got the support of the people, probably even more than his brother, which is really ironic because growing up, he was always the outcast. So I think it's interesting. I understand why they, they, they don't want to be involved. Um, it's a lot of responsibility and at the end of the day Harry's never going to be the king so it's like why am I even holding on to that the last vestiges of this because I'm really not benefiting from it and actually if you want to be honest like they get a, a financial stipend because of their association as royals the fact that they've said no actually we're, we're tying we're cutting our ties means that financially they're not gaining from the crown anymore so I would think people would actually respect it a little bit personally 
don't know, Clifford, what do you think? I respect it. I don't see why they should be there, especially with the backlash that Megan has got from the press and the press. Right. So um, I support whatever Harry and Megan do personally. And let's call a thing a thing. Let's call a spade a spade. The reason she's got this backlash is because she's a mixed race black woman. Right. And because she's why, American. Yeah, yeah, and she's American. That is why the media hate her so much. She has been scrutinized and lashed in the media repeatedly for putting her hands in her pockets, for cradling, <laughs> her, for cradling her pregnant stomach. When these are, right. there are photos of other royals doing those exact things. There's a picture of the queen actually with her hands in her pockets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why can't Meghan do it? It's similar to like when Obama was in office, he was scrutinized for everything he did, but he didn't do half of the damage, depending on who you ask, that say Bush did before him. And let's think of who Meghan's two biggest critics are, or two of her biggest critics. One, Piers Morgan, who clearly was in love with her at one point. (laughs) She must have rejected his advances. You know, I never saw it that way, but that actually, that seems pretty valid, you know? Mm -hmm. And the second one, I don't want to mention his name, but he he was an editor for the Sun newspaper and he yeah please I was about to say Narsay because I don't know who he is but we ain't trying to get cancelled on our first episode so let's leave that all alone but okay okay this person is just he's directly shooting every sense of the word like to me I've actually come across this person when I used to work in PR and he had a horrible spirit a horrible Mm. spirit and Really thought he was something. I thought he was had he has, was so arrogant and had that air of grandeur and a delusional air of grandeur there because mm. he wasn't it and he isn't it. But so. the unfortunate thing is that even though they're two very influential people in in the UK media, <clears throat> they also represent the opinions of a lot of people. That's why that narrative of her being, you know, whatever they say about her, is has, has existed for so long. And I think it's really funny to me how they just assume that because because he's married to her, they're assuming that she's the one that's almost putting him up to all of this. When it's like, even though I'm sure she has a lot of say, you also got to understand that they're in a relationship, they're married, and she's now the mother of his kids, and there's nothing he won't do for her. So just looking at it from that perspective, and maybe that's me just taking it a bit too deep and being emotional about it. Um, And they say that, you know, the royals are reptiles, so they don't have emotions. But I do feel like, people can have a bit of empathy on that level. Like they're actually a married couple. So he's ultimately going to do the best for his family. And that's how I see it. That's fundamentally how I see it. I also see it as, you know, they're not actually making any money. They, they, don't, they don't want to do this. And they've actually said they don't want to benefit from it financially. So I don't see what the problem is. And they announced their pregnancy a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Because she's pregnant for the second, um, well, she's pregnant again. And... I know the media were then trying to drag them again, saying, oh, the woman who doesn't, um, who wants privacy has announced her pregnancy. And that's not what happened. That's not what she said. The reason she sued the press was because they published personal letters from her between her father. If they can't see the difference, the differentiation between having her private letters posted and her posting on social media her pregnancy, then they're dumb then. That's the pressure. Yeah, you, you know, they can see yeah, the difference, but like I said, they've got a certain perspective when they're... they're and someone else was saying it's because those certain newspapers, those... Those certain newspapers, um, The, the Sun, the te- I think the, te- the Daily Mail, there's a few of them who come under what they call Royal Post. 
and because Harry and Meghan said they want to work with more grassroots media um, publications and platforms, they don't oh, like that. No. They don't like that because that means that yeah. they're basically that, makes, that actually makes a lot of sense. Certain tabloids have their ways in terms of the way that they want to manipulate and report news and say what is the correct way news should be reported. They basically want to be financially benefiting from it, breaking yeah. stories. Um, breaking personal boundaries and expecting you to say nothing when mm. you should, if you if there's a security breach or your your privacy has been invaded, as a celebrity you're still a human being. So those pub- yeah. those the publishing of those private letters was a breach. So why shouldn't she speak up about it? And then if she mm. is pregnant and she wants to share that joy with the people who follow her and support her who are not in her immediate family, why can she not do that in terms of a a letter to a PR? or some kind of public statement i feel it's because um as we said if that if those certain publications are part of the royal payroll or part of that royal post they probably expect to get the exclusive they they, they probably feel like we should have had the exclusive photo slash announcement because in the past that probably was the case mm-hmm. but now you know what they're making their own rules they have their own rule book and i'd love to see it and i can't wait to keep seeing it but obviously this is just another example of racism within the media racism within the uk and mm-hmm. even though we say there's progress being made it's still a huge issue just like the golden globe issue from if you've seen yesterday did you see the press that came out about the golden globe um panel who oh, basically wow. Well, basically, there's a panel of people who basically pick the nominees for the Golden Globes. And basically, it came out yesterday. I think the Time's Up um, movement, they posted an image on their Instagram that basically (laughs) it had a cracked Golden Globe and it had the message, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, not a single black member out of 87. So there's 87 members who vote for the nominees for these Golden Globes. There's not a single black person or and I know Romero you hate this phrase but person of colour so there's none on the panel on the panel and it makes sense to me because there's certain black art that was overlooked this past year when mm-hmm. we think of like Michaela Cole and I may destroy you I know you guys watched that show I yeah. know the world watched that show and there was backlash when she wasn't announced as a nominee but now it's making sense to me as why she wasn't nominated yeah, definitely. You know, it's so funny because at the time I thought it was more so because um, I May Destroy You is a very British show. Obviously it's set in Britain, but like the topics it hits on, I think a lot of us related to it because it reminded us of our, you know, our college years or our school years. But now thinking of that, like they're not only not English, but they're not even black. So why would they value you know, the work that a, a black woman puts out? So I, I wish I could say I was surprised. That's That's the thing, like, I'm, I'm just not surprised because that's the standard and that's almost what we expect. But it's, it must be really frustrating for creatives. I mean, I'm a creative myself, but like it, people that actually do it for a living and thinking that like, I'm constantly trying to put out art and I'm constantly trying to get recognized. And the people that I'm trying to appease don't even see me really. Yeah, and I feel like when it comes to these Golden Globes and the Oscars and the Emmys, etc., even though 
I know a few years ago, that's when there was like hardly any black nominees or nominees of color. And people were literally like, people were shocked because there was not a single. And this year there are nominees who are black, but it was especially in those certain categories where we saw excellence. These awards should highlight excellence. And there was certain excellence that was overlooked. Yeah, it was overlooked. It was, it was mute basically. And I feel like when it comes to these award shows, do we put too much emphasis on them? Do you think we, as people, see them as these prestigious accolades and maybe we're putting too much power into them? What do you think? I think that in the world that we live in with so much trace and variety that you get from Netflix and other um, sort of streaming services where you can watch more um, catered or specific types of programming. You get to pick what you like. And I think the people are taking back the power from these bigger white run institutions because the powers with the people in terms of what they like and then in terms of social media is blowing up on say Clubhouse, it's, it's blowing up on Twitter. And then in the post to these institutions deciding who's one and who hasn't, the people are deciding. And then the people who are actually making the art and the creators are then being approached by say Netflix to commission other series. So I don't think the importance lies with these bigger institutions any longer. Um, if we use, for example, the Oscars and what's happened in terms of the Oscars, the same should happen with the Golden Globes. I mean, there should be more trace in terms of what's, what's nominated. They should have more people on, or more representative of the people who actually consume the content. And in terms of the industries, they need everybody who's the best of whichever sort of caliber to contribute to it, in opposed to it just being the same forever. I don't know. I think I'm just at the point where I, I don't, I, it, doesn't it doesn't worry me or concern me as much as it did in the past is in like the and I think that actually echoes your point Clifford in that because now we have the opportunity to do so much more for ourselves we've got so many much more resources as black people whether it's social media whether it's within the community we're doing so better you know um I, I think I know it's a very general statement to say we're doing better financially but I mean like black people are the black pound means something now the black dollar means something now um and it's always been powerful but now we're actually making leaps and bounds. So I think in terms of art, it would be great for us to get the recognition that we deserve from others, quote unquote others, but like, I, it's not something that I worry about as much now because I feel like we, we, the work speaks for itself almost. And with Michaela, a lot of people came out and questioned why she wasn't nominated. So when she's seeing her peers speak, speak up and speak out and question why she isn't nominated, it's basically validation from her peers. And maybe that's more valuable than the actual award itself. When your peers are telling you you're excellent, what you produced, what you directed, what you starred in was literally brilliant. She was- Yeah, because if you ask Michaela, I'm sure she'll, she'll, if you ask her who she's making her work for, well, I have a feeling she would say for herself, yeah, Michaela, she's got an interesting personality, but like, I'm sure it's not for 50 something year old white men that sit in suits all day in office. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sure for her, it's more important that people like you and I um, are, are, are seen and value her work. And let's be real with Michaela, the topic of conversation, it is 
basically a narrative that has been in Hollywood for years now and has been highlighted with the Me Too movement, with these with Harvey Weinstein and these executives mm. within Hollywood. I was, Holly, I was gonna say Holly Oaks then. I was like, not quite Holly Oaks. Executives <laughs> within Hollywood who are um, basically abusing their positions and who are assaulting women and abusing women. So I think maybe is that a reason why she wasn't nominated because they didn't like the narrative. Mm. I mean, that I, that's definitely possible, but I'm sure there's there have been documentaries on those very same people. There is the Me Too documentary. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, I, I, has, I think, and it's unfortunate, I think it has more to do with her being an English black woman. But at the same time, I know a few years ago, you might cuss me out for this, but remember um, Tiffany Haddish, she didn't get nominated for her role in Girls Trip. And <laughs> I remember Jada Pinkett, she was like, she was shocked as well. She couldn't believe that, especially Tiffany uh... role, because that role in Girls Trip, she was hilarious. Like, no, she was, I was, I was actually gonna say like, Honestly, there, um, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I think because it was an it was an amazing role, but it was a breakout role. So a lot of times you get awarded for these things because of your position. She was a newbie, so it was like she hadn't really earned her stripes yet. But in terms of her actual performance, yeah, she was the the star of the, the, that film. That film was amazing. She was really funny. It was so, a um, combo cast, right? And she was the newbie. That's it, that's exactly. Should have got. A, a, at least a little nomination, you know? Because sometimes you do need that person who's brand new, like, think to the early 90s when they had the music shows. Sometimes you need that breaking artist that's come out, yeah. out, out, out of nowhere. Well, it's yeah. like they've come out of nowhere, but they always say that it takes 10 years to make an overnight success. This so is it. She's been grafting before she got to Girls Trip. But that's the first time I had seen Tiffany Haddish. And I thought she was great in that movie as well. And I, I feel that there should be space for like newcomers who are outstanding in what they do to, to be celebrated. Even mm -hmm. with the nomination, they don't actually have to win the award. But it wasn't even that. That's the, actually funny you say that because um, I, I just uh, I read up that Andrew Day is just that amazing kind of neo-soul blues singer. She's actually nominated for her role in... I think it's called Billy Holiday versus the US or America. Yeah, um, yeah, I wish I didn't even know that as well. I have not, I have not watched it, but I've heard it. I haven't watched it. I didn't even know until like literally a couple of hours ago. But she, she's so talented. So, um, you know what you were saying about being that new artist? She's actually a singer, um, and she's crossed over. But I'm sure it's amazing for her just to feel like she's nominated. Um, um, this is the thing because you, you, you know the saying, "Always the bridesmaid, never the bride." Mm. So you want to be, you want to be acknowledged, but you come to a point where it's like, okay, these acknowledgements are nice, but I would surely like that award. Yeah. <laughs> I would surely like that. I've got a stand in my house that would fit that perfectly. So, but in, in her particular situation, obviously she's a newcomer. So for her, it must feel absolutely amazing because she hasn't even done, when I say newcomer, I mean, she's only been doing music for about three or four years, but as a, that's, I think her breakout acting role. I don't know if she's done any work before that. So I think that's amazing. That, that feeling must be, must be everything. Mm. So it's like, you don't want to seek validation, but when you get it, it's actually yeah, it's actually really great. nice. You know what I mean? And it's funny because the only time, again, this is me playing devil's advocate, the only time black artists complain about it is when they're not nominated for something. Then at the same time, do you guys think that maybe awards show that are more black, I don't want to say black owned, but 
the black award shows, such as like the Soul Train Awards, the BET Awords, etc. Do you think? How do you say? N-A-A-C-P. There we go. Those kind of award shows are kind of overlooked by black people as well. Or come on, talk about it. On it because you will see all these. A-listers go in, they'll be on the red carpets the Oscars, the Golden Globes, they'll be there for row. But then when it comes to the Soul Trade Awards, where are they? Oh, they win the awards. And they they're the ones who win the awards, but they're not there to accept them. Yeah, they're sending in video footage. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you don't while they're on them. tour in the middle of their medley. You don't value the, the, these awards that are for us or by us kind of thing. Right. And there are enough out of them. And the funny thing is that like, I make a point of watching the BT Awards and actually the Soul Train Awards because they have like, the, the caliber of singers that I really like. And it's like being at a concert, it is so amazing. So I think you're right, we do kind of overlook it. We kind of devalue our own. I would love to see Beyonce at the Soul Train Awards. I would love to see Drake at the Soul Train Awards. I'd love to see all these. You know what is crazy about that? I could see them doing it, but once they become like legacy artists, like in their 40s, 50s, I don't, I'm not, it, and it's funny because with, with Beyonce, like her message is so pro-black. So yeah. I don't think it's something she wouldn't do, but I think because of where she is, it's almost like it is a bit beneath her. I'd love to see a lot of all those A-list black music artists and even actors and actors all come together and think, you know what? We all need to endorse these award shows. We yes. Need to endorse like, you know how when Tidal was launched? Yeah, you know what I was just about to say. You know, a Tidal award show would actually be yeah. lit because they understand the culture. Because when Tidal launched, they had all those artists all on that stage and they presented their new streaming platform. Bro, can you I, imagine? Yeah, I'd love for all these artists to come together and be like, you know what? We are all going to endorse the Soul Train Awards. We're all going to be there. We're going to be performing there. It's going to mm-hmm. be amazing. So then they'll get all the branding deals for the awards then because all the brands will then come on board to sponsor it, etc. It then mm-hmm. can be on TV because obviously if all these artists are involved, all those major networks are going to want to have it broadcast on their stations. So yeah. it would be such a great thing. But I feel we as a people need to put more emphasis on things for us and not on these redundant awards that they are prestigious. But let's be I was just thinking, speaking of like the awards, I was just remembering like the, the VMAs back in the day, um, the BET Awards back in the day, the Source Awards, the Hip Hop Awards, like those were epic here's me saying that i loved all of those american award shows but the mobos happened here every year in the uk and it was supposed to be for british talent but i think like the the mobos even had some great moments and i think even the mobos last year for what they were able to do during a pandemic was was amazing so yeah like i miss that kind of like i can't wait to watch the vmas feeling and i haven't felt like that about those type of award shows in a while and maybe if like you said we had more of our black um, celebrities, our black excellence there, we would, if Oprah and Obama and Michaela Cole and Beyonce and Rihanna were all at the same award show, regardless of what it was about, we'd all be watching. Mm, and I feel like with the VMAs though, I know how we said, okay, sometimes you have to earn your stripes, etc. But there are some girls with only two or three eras getting Vanguard Awards now via the MTV what, MTV black, who, black who? No, literally, who are you talking about? I don't, I don't know. So, like, Katy Perry, for example, has she got a, a, did she get one of those awards? I don't know. You, uh, did she? I'm pretty... Let me... Let me I'm going to pull this up really quick. BMA Vanguard winners. I wouldn't be mad at Katy Perry, but I don't think she's got one. I don't think she's got one, but 
if she was supposed to be next, I wouldn't. I would understand why. To be fair though, Teenage Fever was uh, like a very big error. Teenage Dream. Era. It wasn't her. It oh, was okay. okay. <laughs> Teenage Dream. I don't know where okay. I was going. <laughs> Let's cut this. Off. Don't know what era I was enjoying, but okay. <laughs> let's, cut, let's cut this out because it was well, who else was it was Rihanna. She Rihanna got one in two thousand sixteen, and and what about it? Rihanna doesn't have fantastic music videos. What are you? Cr- Hold on, pause. What? No, she she meant to look, but in terms of music video, she doesn't give me her that. music videos are amazing. Like what? the work video was amazing. That was the that needed me video was amazing. Bitch, I have my money video is amazing. I have to disagree, and I'm not even thinking that. that, but for a black woman to come back from domestic violence and continue a music career and then to diversify into fashion and beauty brands mm-hmm. and to have all of those collaborations with other artists as well to enrich their music videos. And yeah, she deserved that. Rihanna. If, if you I can't Rihanna, tell, a couple of us are like little Rihanna stands here, but there you go. I like Rihanna for her music and the looks she gives when she's slaying a red carpet, et cetera, and, and, and an image. But when it comes to actual being entertained visually in terms of performances uh, and I videos. The video. Rihanna- okay, but like the video, the, video, the, 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 the MTV. And Beyonce would have been the album's artist. Um, Rihanna was- but Let's be honest, Missy Elliott got it three years later. So you're telling me Rihanna got a Vanguard award before Missy Elliott. Yeah, but- I'm not saying that she, no. I, I, well, you're telling me that that's what happened. What I'm trying to say is, I'm not saying that she was the most deserving, but in terms of what a pop artist in our generation is supposed to be, Rihanna is literally perfect. Whether no, you like her pop, or not. She, no, she is, she's a perfect pop star. So my point is that how can you sit there and say she doesn't deserve to get awarded the highest award for, for being the perfect pop artist? That's literally what she should be Because the Vanguard is for excellence in music videos and her music videos uh, are excellent. Okay, we, we are definitely going to have to agree to disagree there because you know her is. music videos are amazing. I don't even think Rihanna's music is that good. Number of I think she's literally she a visual well. artist. I have to disagree. She's just not a visual artist to me. I, I'm literally going crazy. I can't believe what I'm hearing. What? Rihanna is not a visual artist. I, I lit- so, so who's a visual artist to you, Theo? Beyonce, she is iconic. Beyonce, yeah, okay. So let's look at Beyonce, Rihanna's videos. Because Beyonce gives us a story, but then she gives us a performance as well. Rihanna doesn't give a performance in a music video. Okay. And is it a Vanguard award? No. When I look at when video. I look at a video, I'm not looking at it to see how much the person is sweating or how much passion it is. It's whether I'm gonna connect with it. And that is subjective. Obviously, it's different for different people. Again, I'm not up here trying to say that Rihanna is the most talented, the best writer, the best singer. I'm literally just saying her her, vid, her visuals are literally what makes her. If she did not have videos, Rihanna would not be where she is. She's literally the definition of what an MTV artist should be because her visuals is what makes her an amazing artist. And you're sitting there telling me that she's not a visual artist. No, because so what type of artist is it? Okay, she's not a visual artist. What kind of artist would you say Rihanna is? Without throwing no shades, what kind of artist is Rihanna? Rihanna gives us the hits. She gives us hits like music. She gives us radio candy. Like mm. and, and what is she? Rihanna is a. I don't. I don't. I don't need to see. Like, I can. Rihanna can go to number one without a music video. Rihanna Wait, say that again. Say that again. Rihanna can go to number one without a music video. People are going to stream Rihanna because she gives us um audio candy. She gives us those hits. She gives us something. No, you're right. But that, that's just a, that's another reason why she won it because she gives hits. 
But I'm just saying, like, I just, I'm, but you are really telling me, yeah, I'm learning I, things about our when, friendship today, Theo. When, <laughs> when I think of Rihanna and you think a Rihanna video, like, if you say, what is, name five iconic Rihanna music videos, I'm going to be like, there's nothing iconic about her music videos. Uh, Disturbia. Um, the work video. Actually, the work video wasn't that The work video great. wasn't that great. Um, the, the rehab but video. Rude Boy was a one. Rude Boy. Rehab is an amazing Rude video. Rude Boy was a horrible video. What? It was ugly. It was a graphic video, yeah, like a, a cheap. CGI Actually, yeah, I, that everyone sort of. I didn't love it. I didn't love like, it. I was going to watch some videos after this, and you're going to agree with me. Like, okay, maybe I was a bit, maybe because. No, video, I, I don't believe. You know why I say that? Because for, I didn't remember. Video. Let me just say, yeah, I didn't. I'm not. I say I'm a, I'm a partial. We understand, but for years I did not like Rihanna. I just thought she makes a cute song here and there. She's a pretty girl. That's that's literally all I thought about her. But watching her videos is literally what made me fall in love with her. I said she's okay, so let me give you um, let me give you some of her um, videos. What's my name? You yes. like that one with Drake? Yeah. Um, only girl in the world. Some people like. Yeah, that. hate the song, but okay, again, that red wig <laughs> iconic. Um, I'm feetful. <laughs> I'm what for? I'm feeble. <laughs> <laughs> I said what? Oh, <laughs> what? That's a four. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Beach Better Have My Money was an iconic video. Um, no. Um, I wish you could have danced more, and that's where I would say, yeah, love. if that was a Beyonce song. We found. Huh? Yeah, what? There we go. Diamonds. Diamonds, even. Yeah. I don't remember the Diamonds video. Well, I'm sorry, maybe your direct is too tight because that video was absolutely amazing. <laughs> we, we found love, that was a fantastic video. Disturbia, fantastic video. Um, I'm trying to think of the rated R era because I didn't like it. Rehab? Oh, um, Russian Roulette, that was an iconic video. Yeah, yeah. that's actually my rated R is actually my favorite. Rihanna. That was the album that made me like a person. Um, but apart from those three, I can't think of like, I don't think any of them are like iconic. Or worthy of a Vanguard Award. Okay, you challenged me to give you five iconic Rihanna videos. I can give you ten because she was giving you Hitsville USA with the amount of Billboard number ones that she was hitting. Not even Billboard top twenty. She's got probably more than Beyonce even has. Okay, so let's start there. So we found love iconic video. Man down. Please don't stop the music. Pour it up. Shut up and drive. S and M, where have you been? Ponder replay, we ride, take a bow. How many is that even? I think that the, you are right that the criteria for um, recognizing artists, and, we, and this is like outside of just talking about race, that generally speaking, the standards are a lot lower now because because we're in that streaming era, obviously, where everything is microwavable. You can make, you could become a celebrity, you, you can have a hit without the machine, which is great. But it's also very different because if you think of, say, a, a Whitney or a Tony Braxton or Celine Dion or Sting or any of those artists, if they tell you that what their trajectory was, there was a lot of work that went into each album. It was a lot of work that got, got into even them getting their record deals. Whereas now, because we don't have that middleman, I almost feel like it's now lowered the bar a little bit because the standard musically is so different now to what it was, say, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. 
it depends though on your caliber as an artist if you're a touring artist you gotta go out there and do the work you gotta still do the festivals or whatever mm -hmm. and if you're a rihanna in terms of the collaborations that you're doing with other artists as well and then the merchandise that you're you're selling if it is um fenty beauty mm. or that well that fashion label's been um cancelled now isn't it yeah Okay, well, if it's Savage Fenty or whatever else yeah, she like, does. Doing yeah. all of that. And I think that has to then build into your star power. Like, I would think, like, if there was going to be a second Michael Jackson or the second coming of Michael Jackson. Sorry, the thing. I hope you're not implying that it's going to be Rihanna because this is no, where no, the conversation no, will change no. again. <laughs> I was going to say. I was about to say, not with Beyonce standing right there. No, no, no. That's I was going to say. There would have to be some kind of work rate, but it would be less in a sort of Beyonce vein of things, and it would probably be a more Rihanna route of the. the you know, it's funny you say that because when I think when Beyonce, sorry, when Rihanna did get the um, the Vanguard Award, I remember them listing off the achievements, and it was all about like how many followers she has on on, um, on Instagram and like how like streamed her music was, and I was like, this is this is great and it's very indicative of the age that we're in, but obviously if it was like, again, a Tony Braxton or Beyonce would grow. Oh yeah, actually Tony Braxton or Beyonce or, or Whitney, because I will put Beyonce in that category. It's all about, you know, how many records they sold, their touring figures and that kind of stuff. So it is different, but it's relative. And this is why I say, even though I might say 20 years ago, it was different. It was the standard in my opinion was higher. We're in a different age and things change and it's, it's subjective, isn't it? Well, guys, that is it for episode one. Um, we hope that you enjoyed our show. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Fourth Member. And on Twitter, we are at Fourth Member Pod. Join us again in two weeks for our next show. Stay safe and peace out and social distance.